Well, you don't want to just chop that together into something funny? No. Uh. Oh. Okay. Nope. I don't want to do any editing. <laughs> Good luck. Hey, Robin. Hey, Darren. What was the best decade to grow up in? The 1980s. That's when we grew up. Coincidence. Welcome to Growing Up 80s, where me, Darren, and my buddy Robin are going to talk about the things that we liked and that we still like from our childhood. We're going to be talking about things like music. Video games. Books. Computers. Toys. TV shows. Arcade games. Did I say books? I think I did. You're right. Magazines. Comics. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. So, welcome to the new podcast. Welcome to our existing listeners from our existing podcast, A Comfortable Place on the Couch, a Midnight Oil podcast. Hey, maybe if you grew up 80s and you're here to hear 80s stuff, you might remember that band that played music in the 80s called Midnight Oil. You might want to check that out. Yes. And if you don't, that's fine, because we're glad you're with us here on this podcast now. Tonight, we are going to be talking about two things. And we're going to try to talk about two things every time we get together. Yeah. So I'm bringing to the discussion tonight Donkey Kong, the game, the arcade game. Like the original arcade game. Yes. Wow. And I'm going to bring... E.T. like the movie Ooh. from 1982. I'll be right here. Yes. <laughs> that was E.T.'s e. finger, finger <laughs> lighting up. Very good. Shall we just jump into things? Yeah, why not? I'm going to start this week with... Actually, maybe maybe I'll flesh out a little bit broadlier what we're doing here. Okay. We're talking about all these things, but we're not just going to give you facts and trivia, although we hope to bring those kind of things to the, to the talk, to yeah. the talking that's going on. Uh, Robin and I also want to just kind of talk to each other and just remember, like how we actually experience these kind of things too. And so we figured we'll bring you guys along for the ride if if you're here. Yeah, Darren and I grew up together since what? We were like four years old or something. Yeah, that's right. So we, we got a couple years, a few years in the 70s in our friendship. 70s, 80s, 90s, 90s. 2000s, and present day. Yes. And uh, so some of that's probably going to come into it too. Oh yeah, for sure. We were we were seven years old when the eighties began, and yes. uh, left the eighties when what well, we've been eighteen or nineteen when we left the eighties. That's right. We so were eighteen by then. We 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 were we had great years of growing up in the eighties. You know, some folks say, "Oh, you're a child of the eighties." Yeah, you got nineteen eighty nine. We got the whole thing, and we got it at like just I think like the perfect age to be going through the eighties. So yeah. So let's talk about Donkey Kong for starters. Yeah. Everybody knows. I don't have to tell people what Donkey Kong is, I don't think. But it came out in 1980. So we would have been... No, 1981. Yeah, 81. So we would have been... When we were eight or nine. Eight or nine, yeah. yeah. It came out in the summer, so we were still we were eight. We were eight, yeah. And it was like one of the first, I guess, platformy, running, climbing ladders, jumping over things type video games to hit the arcades. That's right. Now, we, we probably weren't super into arcades when we were seven years old, but I definitely remember going into arcades and playing Donkey Kong in the arcades. Yeah. But it wasn't a place that we were really hanging out yet as a seven-year-old Well, kid. no, and the arcades were sort of, uh, I don't know if evolving is the word, but mm-hmm. 
Uh, at first, they were being put in arcade machines, were being put in where pinball games were, and those traditionally were in places that were for older people. They'd yeah, be like in bars. They'd be in bars yeah. and so on. So kids, it wasn't really a kid-friendly place. And right around that time, I think, is when arcade games started getting that uh, reach. The idea of making an arcade mm-hmm. that appealed to kids. Yes, like you can bring your kids to the mall. Yeah. And just throw them in the arcade for an hour while you do your shopping. Yeah. And everybody was happy about it. For sure. Yeah, I seem to recall reading about the development of Donkey Kong um, when Nintendo of America wanted to test out the few uh, machines that they had. They, they did put them in bars. And you know, the guys were a little bit, I don't know, okay, well, I guess we'll put them in here. I don't know what's going to happen, but they started making like... 30 or more dollars a day, which is 120-ish or more plays mm-hmm. every day. And so the guys were saying, yeah, this is, this is, I like this. Send us a couple more. Donkey Kong, I think, you know, it was in the beginning of kind of that golden age of arcade video game type things. And in addition to being a pioneer can you call it a pioneer? Yeah. A, huh? a front runner in that kind of running, platforming, oh, jumping, climbing yeah. type thing. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those, that first round of quarter gobblers that really made this thing work. Yeah. At it, least in America and Canada and stuff. Yeah. It's funny when you say like $30 doesn't sound like that much, but you think if that's day after day, yep. that's making about $1,000 a month. Yeah. 12000 a year if it continues, yeah. and that's just one machine yep. uh, that you pay, I don't know how much you pay for it, probably a few thousand dollars yeah, up I'm front. Yeah, I'm thinking you're probably paying around three to 5000 Yeah. so you're making your money back on it pretty yeah. quick. And then, you know, the electricity, and electricity was cheap oh, back yeah. then. Oh, yeah. Pennies. Pennies. Um, so, yeah, and if you had a whole bunch of machines like that, that could be some serious income. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and people made a lot of money playing Donkey Kong. Do you remember the first... They made a lot of money playing Donkey Kong. No, they didn't. They made a lot of money of people playing Donkey Kong. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you played Donkey Kong? I don't for sure. The one... I can think of it in a couple places. Like where in Thunder Bay Mall, which was... Okay. Oh, yeah. Darren and I live in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. We are Canadians. We're Canadians. We're kind of in the middle of Canada on the west side of Lake Superior. Yep. Getting towards, uh, we're between Toronto and Winnipeg, if you know bigger places. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it was called, before it was called Arthur Street Marketplace, there was a, a mall called Thunder Bay Arc. Uh, Thunder Bay Mall. Thunder Bay Mall. Yeah. And from the mall where it connected to Kmart at the time, mm-hmm. there was a Donkey Kong machine right there. Oh, just like in the hallway. In the hallway for a while. Oh, well, yeah. just on the K- inside the Kmart doors, but there was that yeah. big wide door. And I remember like, before I remember going to arcades, I remember like in the front of the grocery stores, in the front of the Kmart type stores, like in the the lobby, yeah. the vestibule. Yeah. <laughs> that's where there would be like video games to play. And the one I really remember was at Grandma's Restaurant in Duluth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Duluth, Minnesota, mm-hmm. which is kind of the, uh, the closest American city of any size yep. to us. So it was a frequent... Uh, yeah. Vacation destination. Maybe a five-hour drive 
which is... To Duluth? Was it five hours back then? Probably was. Yeah. Yeah, four or five hours, which for Thunder Bay is is a close drive because we're mentioning Winnipeg and Toronto. Yeah. Winnipeg, seven, eight hours of a drive. Toronto... 16, 15, 16. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So uh, that's right. So Duluth... Anyway, Grandma's Restaurant had a number of arcade games upstairs. And so my family, every time we went to Duluth, every year at least, or twice a year sometimes... Uh, I would go play Donkey Kong upstairs there. Uh, I remember playing Donkey Kong at Intercity Mall, which was the big mall. It was like an outside plaza thing. And then I think in the late 70s, it turned into an indoor mall and it ended up being Thunder Bay's big mall that you'd go to and go hang out. And I remember the arcade there with the big circle entrance. I think it was, we were talking about this before. It was Odyssey. Uh, Electronic Encounters. Encounters. Right. And the other one was called Electronic Odyssey in a different mall, maybe. I don't remember it being called Electronic Odyssey. Maybe it's just called Odyssey. Yeah. Anyway, it yeah. was Electronic Encounters, I guess, was the one in Intercity. Intercity. Yeah. I remember playing it in there. And I remember, now this must have been actually probably 82, 83, maybe even. So it's probably been out a couple of years by this time because I already had donkey kong on my ColecoVision, and i was convinced that because i had it at home and coleco brought that arcade experience home yeah and in some ways it was it was a really good version of donkey kong oh it was oh yeah um i figured oh i'm gonna be awesome at playing it in the arcade and so i i got my mom to give me a quarter and me and mom went into electronic encounters and we went (laughs) Into the back, and do you remember there's like even that little raised area kind yeah, of there, towards the back? Yeah, there was like a, 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 like a U-shaped yeah. area up on stairs yeah. that went up above. And yeah. so Donkey Kong was up there, and I put the quarter in that Mom gave me, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I probably made it onto the second or third girder. <laughs> that was it. And that was it. Wow. It wasn't. It wasn't as tame as the ColecoVision yeah, version. Yeah, you should have been playing like level five or whatever on the Coleco version. And you know, I had kind of forgotten about how Coleco has like the multiple difficulty levels. Like, yeah, yeah like I don't think I ever played any Coleco game not on the easiest version. Yeah, the, the easiest level. The Coleco had the keypad yeah. or has the keypad. Here's the thing. Yeah. I'm going to try and talk about these things in the present tense when it applies yes because they still exist that's right i've got them i've got them in my basement robin is a collector of these things (laughs) and so he has the coleco visions he has the atari 2600 do you remember playing the atari 2600 version it was hilarious now (laughs) i think I think it I is had, hilarious. <laughs> I think I had the 2600 version because I had an Atari before I had my ColecoVision. You sure did. And I'm pretty sure I had Atari Donkey Kong. Yeah. I think Ron had it too. Ron definitely had it. Yeah. yeah. But I remember playing a lot of Atari 2600 Donkey Kong. Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah. It, it just did not look good it didn't look good at all this is the atari whether somebody could do a better version or not i guess we'd have to find out it was still playable oh yeah uh it only had two levels though it had the the what's this one called the girders the girders and the rivets the one where you have to knock out the the rivets and then donkey kong falls down in the arcade yeah it's what 
I would call the second level, but it's a little. So are, are we going to go yeah, with let's this talk too? About this, yeah, yeah. Don- Donkey Kong's a funny game. It's got the arcade version has four different screens. Yep. We'll call them levels. Yeah, we called it, we called them levels. I've heard people call them boards and stuff yeah. too, but I remember calling them levels when we were kids. Yeah. So the the sloped girder one is uh, obviously the first one. Yeah, that's the first screen that you would play. But the next screen that you would play in order normally is the rivets one. Yeah. But really, that's like the last level. Well, I've got a theory about this. Okay. I think I've only started to understand this. I think when you're playing Donkey Kong, a true level is when you defeat Kong and you always defeat Kong on the rivets level yes. because that's when he falls down and you get the the lady up at the top, right? Pauline. Is, is it Pauline? Was it Pauline or was it the lady? Uh, uh, she probably was named Pauline a little retroactively. Yeah, just yeah. like Mario. He wasn't Mario here either. He was, he was Jumpman. Jumpman. And do you think Jumpman, do you think they called him Jumpman? Obviously because he jumped. But do you think yeah. that they were kind of playing off the whole Pac-Man thing? Pac-Man was a success. Let's yes. name our guy Jumpman. Jumpman. Like Pac-Man. Yes. Of course, okay. And of course there's a great Atari, no, no. Of course, there's a great Commodore 64 game called Jumpman yeah. and Jumpman Jr. Yeah, that's right. Which uh, were also platform games. Ladder climbing. Ladder jumping. climbing. And very unique, like compared to Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great game. Yeah. Uh, but unrelated yes. otherwise. Anyway. Okay, so this is my theory. My theory is every level ends with you defeating Donkey Kong and you always defeat him at the rivet stage. Yes. So the first level of Donkey Kong consists of only two screens so you play the first screen the yeah. girder screen then you do the rivet screen and you finish that level yes and then you go back to the girder screen for the beginning of level two you do that screen and then is it the the elevator one the one yeah. with the, then the elevator shows up and then you do the rivets right that's right and then you f- defeat donkey kong and that's the end of level two yeah well, we can call it level two, sure. But anyway, I think that's kind of how the sequence goes. And so... Yeah, yeah. yeah there's no theorizing there. I think oh, that... that well, yeah, that is the sequence. Yeah. Okay. But Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like, it's weird that you get this level two, but you don't always get level two in the same order or something like that. You were talking about the order of things. Well, yeah. Okay. No, you're you're right. You're right. That I, I guess I'm not saying really it's weird. It's just that it's weird to call... We would call that level two because it's the second one that appears. Yeah. But then later in the game, it's not the second one. It's like the third level because the elevator one, which is really what I would call the third level. Yeah. It, it goes like one. But you don't get that third level until you do the first level again. Yes. Yeah. One, two, one, three, two. Yeah. One, three, four, two. Well, and that was the thing. Yeah. So we talked about the rivets. We talked about the girders. We talked about the elevators. Not yeah. too much about the elevators, but we talked about the elevator yes. level. And then there was the level with the conveyor belts. Yeah. Did you ever play the conveyor belt level in the arcade when you were a kid? No, I, I could never get to it. Uh, Did you ever play then? the elevator level when you were a kid in the arcade? Oh, yeah. I could yeah? get there, yeah. I don't know that I ever made it to the elevator level in the arcade when I was a kid. Yeah, and when I've played the arcade game recently, I can get level like i can get to the third i can get to the con- yeah. the concrete level if yes. we call it yeah that. the concrete or the conveyor belt the conveyor belt the pie level i played donkey kong at 
Tilt Arcade in Toronto a few weeks ago, and that was the first time I've played a proper Donkey Kong in the arcade. Maybe decades? Wow, yeah. Um, and I, I did insert a quarter to continue, but I made it to, on my first continue, I made it to the, the conveyor belt level. Good. Yeah. Did you beat it? No, I didn't. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've played it quite a few times since. Uh, for, if nothing else, every year I go to the Midwest Gaming Classic. Sure. Uh, in or near Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yep. And uh, they, Donkey Kong's almost there. Oh, and Billy Mitchell is you always met there. Billy Mitchell, I didn't sure you? did this year. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Billy Mitchell. Oh, yeah? What does he have to do with Donkey Kong? Well, for years and years, he held the world record in Donkey Kong. Mm -hmm. And uh, Donkey Kong's one of these games where lots of guys can play it for a long time, where where they get really good at it. But to get the best score requires more than just persistence. Because you can't play Donkey Kong forever. No, it, the game ends. Yeah. So what you have to do is, well, it crashes yeah. more like, right? Yeah. Uh, so you have to maximize... Your point. Your points. Gathering. Yes. In the screens that you have to play. Yeah. Yeah. So, but just recently, Billy Mitchell was de- defrocked. De- dethroned. Dethroned. Decrowned. Because they decided that the video evidence he had mm-hmm. was not, how, how do I say this right? Did, did it kind of show that he wasn't playing on actual Donkey Kong hardware, that he might have been playing on yeah. an emulator? Something yeah. Like so that? they were, they feel he's cheated or at least that he did not. Yeah, that he, he did not he follow broke the, the rules. rules. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's clear that he's a really good Donkey he Kong. He is an player. extremely good player. I have watched him play first with my very own eyes, Ooh. and yeah, and of course he's super good. Yeah, but it's just like these top athletes that can run much, much faster than you or I. Yeah, uh, but they cheat yeah. to get that edge. Yeah, that's a similar analogy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Billy Mitchell has been a very good guy whenever I've run into him Mm -hmm. and uh, he was quite gracious about staying there and let me get a picture with him and and a whole bunch of fans were around Yeah, uh, and he took time with each of them. So, and wasn't the Midwest gaming classic this year, like right around the time where the allegations of his cheating kind of showed up? He made a statement about it at the show. Ah. Uh, So that's on YouTube that you can see, but it was taken right in the hallway. Yeah. Like that I was walking through. Oh wow. That's neat. Currently, the high score holder, I looked this up the other day, is a, a fellow named Robbie Lakeman, and he got the high score of the current high score of Donkey Kong this February, February 2018, and it's like one and a quarter million points or something like that. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. When you were a kid, yeah. did you play Donkey Kong to get points? Did you play Donkey Kong to advance in levels? Did you play Donkey Kong to just stay on the machine as long as you could? <laughs> I think my goal in almost all games was any game that has a sense of progress. Yeah. I was interested in getting as far as I could. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, some games, obviously, it's all about the points because mm-hmm. you're not going to see anything new in the game. Like something like Tetris, maybe. Yeah, Tetris or Space Invaders yep. or Galaga yeah. or whatever. Yep. Those, uh, well, there's a sense of how many levels you've gotten through. You're not going to see anything new. 
Yeah. Yeah. So with these games that feel like a bit more of a journey, especially yeah. with this elusive fourth level. Yeah. Uh, the the conveyor belt e- level. Even though there are only four different yeah. screens for us to play, it was hard. Like, yeah. I never got. It was tough to see yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was always my main goal. Uh, but, you know, when you can get some extra points, you do it. Yep. I always played for, let's just see how far I could get to. Yeah. Yes. Do you remember calling, you know, the little fire guys that are on the rivet level? Yeah. Do you remember what we used to call them? Well, the Atari 2600 versions, yeah. I always called flaming chickens. Yeah, we called them the chickens, the, the chickens, fire chickens, the, fi- or the flaming yeah. chickens, yeah. Yeah. Because they kind of looked like... Yeah, they, they just look bizarre. I don't know <laughs> when they were making that sprite. <laughs> uh, Atari 2600 sprites consist of eight pixels total across yeah yeah and then of course you can make them as tall as you want oh you could eh yeah i didn't know that yeah they don't have a built-in height you uh basically the atari 2600 just has two sprites total yeah and you position them wherever you want if you don't want them to show you put a zero yeah in them yeah and then if you want them to reappear as a different thing oh really you reposition so basically you're still you've got two sprites so you can position them wherever you want kind of uh, ver- horizontally on yep. the screen and you can make them as tall as you want vertically they can keep on going down then you just kind of blank them out and start drawing them again somewhere yeah, else yeah you can shift their position okay, and neat. you do it all on the fly yeah. the Atari 2600 is redrawing its screen and it draws the screen from top to bottom top to bottom so the computer is in sync with the TV yep. it knows almost a, almost exactly where the TV is being drawn yeah and you just reposition it uh-huh. so that's how it works that's neat yeah. What was your favorite home version of Donkey Kong? Uh, in the era, I thought yeah. I was very envious of the ColecoVision version. Yeah. It looked just great. Yeah. And, yeah. Coleco uh, was a little bit weird because it didn't have as many girders. Remember that? And so like on the arcade, you'd go, um, you'd start in the bottom left and you'd go to the right, to the left, to the right, to the yeah. left, and you'd be done. So there'd be five levels of girders. But Donkey Kong, the Coleco was only had four. And so Donkey Kong was up in the top right corner and that was always oh he's up in the wrong corner oh really yeah because it's it's the tv set was yeah yeah for sure uh, horizontally mounted or yeah it had its length in the hor- horizontal axis as opposed to an arcade yes it was machine. like a landscape versus portrait that's a good way of putting it <laughs> isn't that funny that i don't remember the click i i know definitely that uh, all those home versions of games were often squished. Yes. Because of that, like uh, Pac-Man. Yeah. Uh, pretty extreme yeah. distortion. But yeah, the, the lack of girders, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I remember playing it on the Commodore 64. And uh, it was a pretty good version, I think, playing on the 64. But that probably would have been later in the 80s when that came out. Yeah, I guess they started making all those home versions more like 84, 85. Yeah, I, w- I would think it'd be at least 85 or, or maybe even later, but I'm not sure. Yeah, there were, I think there might have been two or three official C64 versions I as well. I think you're right. But that isn't something I played much of on the C64. And wasn't there, like, didn't somebody make a new version on the Commodore 64, like within the last two or three years, maybe even? Donkey Kong Jr., Oh, yeah. Somebody ported the Atari 7800 version okay. to the C64. Okay. Yeah. Oh, That's apparently really good. Oh, cool. Any final thoughts on Donkey Kong? 
Oh, are we already done? Okay. I don't know. Are we? Maybe well, we're not. Here's something I, I like a lot about a lot of arcade games and and even today in our in home video games. Yeah. That that sense of what if or what happens if. Now, what was curious about Donkey Kong, like on the girder level, as soon as you climb up to Donkey Kong, yes, the level's over. On the rivets level. No, wait. No, on the original, on the girder level, as soon as you climb up to Donkey Kong. To where, Kong, where Pauline was. Yeah, to where Pauline yes, was. Yes, that's which, right. Which is... Yeah. So you get on that top level. Donkey oh, Kong's on right, that right. level. He's not, yeah, he's down Because I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The sense of... What if I touch Donkey Kong? Yeah, exactly. What if I don't go up the ladder to yeah. rescue? What if I just keep on running into Donkey Kong? Yeah. What would happen? And would you dare to do it when you're when you're putting precious quarters in? Yeah. And of course you would. And you've made it to the top of the level, right? Yeah, you could you could go on to the next screen. Yeah. No way I'm going to waste my quarter on trying to touch Donkey Kong. Yeah. But yeah, what okay. would and happen that, if? That's right. And and I believe you do die. Okay. Although it's something that I feel like I need to go test again yeah. now. But you notice that on that girder level, there's also uh, two ladders. Um, there's the ladder you're supposed to climb up. Yeah. Then there's the two ladders that Donkey Kong climbs up when you try to rescue Pauline. Yes. Um, can you like can you use those? What happens if you walk up to them and try to use them? Oh, yeah. The ones, the ones beside him. Yeah. 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 And I think it just doesn't let you. Okay. But those are the kind of... What if? Yeah, what if? I know I'm not supposed to. Yeah. 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 And so that's intrigued me. And that's always been... Uh, like, I, I am a video game programmer. Yeah, that's as my, a programmer. Like, that's my job. What would you do? But that's what fascinated me when I was a kid before I knew much about programming at mm -hmm. all. All those little, those little details in games. Yeah. And the what ifs and... Because as a programmer, you would have to account for that. Yes. Like it, if you didn't, like I might assume, okay, maybe it just treats it as a ladder and I could go and just climb up to that top of the ladder and yeah, could that I would just be go, it. I could ignore Pauline and go on to the second level. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You <laughs> just climb up. To, yeah. Yeah, because there's kind of that sense that you're climbing up the building and you finish the screen and then you go up. Yes. It'd be kind of neat if like the screen scrolled down, and, you know, we were <laughs> yeah. talking about, oh, hardware limitations and people that complain about video games because of hardware limitations. Yeah. And I'm sure the, I think it was, was it the, the Z80 or whatever was the, I think was the processor. Yeah, I think that was I'm Z80 sure it, it could handle something like that. Oh yeah. But, you know, the game just wasn't built to do like a big scroll or something, but that would have been kind of neat yes. if that happened, eh? Like, yeah, if if this was really the sense that you're moving up this great big skyscraper yeah. with all these, yeah, that, under construction, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would have been neat. Yeah. Now, another thing about Donkey Kong, before it was Donkey Kong, do you know what this game was meant to be? Well, yeah. Um, so they were going to kind of base it off of Popeye, right? Yeah. The Popeye characters. Nintendo wanted to make a Popeye game. And so they started developing it, but they couldn't secure the license, apparently. Mm -hmm. So they were like, oh, I guess we got to make our own character. Yep. No big deal. You know, uh, Jumpman, Mario, yep. Donkey Kong, whatever. You know, yep. just stick it in there. Yeah. The game's done. Little did they know. Little did they, the Popeye people know. Did, little did the Popeye people, and little, well, little did Nintendo know mm -hmm. that they were creating a character, Mario, yeah. who would be with still in 2018. Yeah. Bigger than ever with the Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. Is there a bigger video game character than Mario? Yep. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, an enormous franchise. Nintendo started, is making all kinds of money again. Yep. 
you know, they have their lulls and, and so on. Sure. But uh, yeah, whenever a new Mario game comes out, I buy it. Oh, yeah. I think I remember reading something that um, after being shut down for the, the Pluto or the Pluto, the Popeye, Popeye Bluto. Yeah, Brutus? Bluto. What's his name? We'll talk about some other time because we'll probably end up talking about Popeye. Yeah, Brutus. Is it Brutus or is it Bluto and olive oil? <laughs> After getting shut down from the Popeye people, the kind of ideas that were brought into it was, of course, like the King Kong idea and the Beauty and the Beast uh, kind of elements were kind of in, uh, Was it, his name is Miyamoto, the game designer's mind. Bluto. I wonder why I call him Brutus. Yeah, I want to call him Brutus, too. Huh. Oh, well. Uh, and, of course, Nintendo did go on to make a Popeye game. Well, yeah, the Popeye people, once yeah. Donkey Kong was so successful, they said, hey, uh, maybe maybe we could work out something. Maybe yeah. you'd like to do a Popeye game yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a good game. Yeah, it came out a couple years after. Yeah, Donkey they Kong. had that... Uh, the roller skating rink yes. is where we played at Wheelies. I remember playing right? Popeye at Wheelies. I yeah. like Popeye. Popeye was not as difficult as Donkey Kong, or at least it didn't seem as difficult. There's, I only remember like playing, well, we'll talk about Popeye maybe some other time. Maybe we will. Donkey Kong was a hard game, though. Yeah. I found it to be difficult. Yeah. Two other little thoughts before we shut down, maybe. I remember playing Donkey Kong in Florida. I remember my parents taking me down to go to Walt Disney World and the hotel that we stayed at, it it was probably by the pool. There was like this um, outdoor area, but it had a a roof over it and it had a few video games in it, like maybe two or three, but one of them was Donkey Kong. And I remember playing Donkey Kong. I think that my mom has a photograph of me with like a shirt that said like 83 on it and the Donkey Kong Oh, wouldn't that be me. great? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna next time over at mom's place, I'm gonna see if that's around. And another thing, and this is something that'll probably come up a lot as we reminisce about various things, is graph paper. I remember drawing uh-huh. Donkey Kong levels on graph paper all the time, and like I would draw, like it's so easy to draw Donkey Kong because you know you just get your two horizontal lines and little triangles to make the. The, the platforms that he's on and ladders. You know, it's not difficult to draw, but I remember drawing the existing levels and then making up my own levels. Mm. And I remember I remember a book that we had. I think we both had it. It was Spiral Bound. It was like how to get good at video games or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. How to win. I think it was Consumers Report, How to Win at Video yeah. Games. And it had a... And I still it have had, it. Do you really? Yeah, it yeah. had a, a pretty prominent picture of Donkey Kong on the cover or at least on the inside. And to me, it was like, oh, I could see like the pixel graphics really well, and I could convert that to the graph paper and, and draw Donkey Kong in in the pixel pixel yeah. perfect on graph paper. Yes, yeah. yeah, graph paper was huge, and both Darren and I, uh, as we grew up a bit, uh, just even by the time we were ten, mm-hmm. eleven, we were starting to learn about computer programming, and then about video game design yep. and graph paper drawing things out. In those early days, computers were so pixelated, mm-hmm. but it was perfect for graph paper. Oh, yeah. And it made it very accessible for us to try to draw characters in this on this grid. Yeah. 
and then convert those into data statements. Yep, into numbers. Into numbers yep. that could be programmed into the computer to display the graphics. It was a lot easier to draw your graphics on graph paper than, t- like, we didn't, there weren't really, like, great sprite editing programs and stuff at least not in the early days it didn't seem like it was just easier just to sit down and you could also do it when like mom and dad said okay enough computer time you're done okay well i'll pull out the graph paper and (laughs) still computers in my head yeah yeah that's right yeah it's nearly as good anything else Uh, i guess that's enough good (laughs) i'm glad that's over So if, if you, listener, have any other thoughts about Donkey Kong, let us know. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to throw something out to you right now. This is something that I was thinking. Now, yeah. of course, we can't do it for this episode, although we could. Like if we if we um, read emails or stuff, people can send us, get in contact with us on our website, thecouch.website. Um, I was thinking it might be fun to let listeners know what we're going to be talking about on the next episode and invite them either to write a little something in about it ahead of time. Ahead of time. Or even invite them to maybe send in like a little audio clip too. If you're interested, keep it like less than a minute and maybe we'll pick one for each of the, the topics that we talk about to yeah. play on the podcast. Sounds good. So if you have any thoughts on Donkey Kong or E.T., um, type them in to us. Send us a message from our website or if you really feel like it. Send us a little audio clip, and maybe we'll pick one yeah. to listen to next time. If we had a real blog, do we have a blog on the website now? Um, yeah, it's, it's a WordPress site. Yeah, because maybe we could make a new page for each, each episode, episode with comments. and then with a comment, and then just yep. people, that'd be the place. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it'd be kind think of neat. good. Yeah. So, Robin, you picked? I picked E.T., E.T. Phone Home. <laughs> yes. So last weekend, I rewatched E.T. again on Blu-ray. On Blu-ray. On Blu-ray. Ooh. I've got it on Blu-ray. So I watched it on my Xbox. Uh, my Xbox oh, yeah? is One. That, is that your Blu-ray player, your <laughs> the, Xbox? Yeah. Well, the PS3 is also, but that's in the living room. When I watch a movie and nobody else wants to watch it, when, when I'm, my wife and kids don't want to watch it, I just sit in my... They didn't want to watch E.T. with you? Well, they actually watched E.T. with me just a few months ago. Okay. So. Yeah. So this time I was watching it pretty late at night. Started yep. at about 1030 because oh, yeah. on Twitter... Oh, yeah. You told me about this. Hashtag E.T. Club. Yeah. Uh, there are a number of E.T. enthusiasts. Yeah. And uh, actually, I don't know anything about about who kind of organizes it, but there's one account in particular... Uh, that organizes events and so on. This was going to be the big blue, well, not the Blu-ray watch. This was going to be the collective live watching of E.T. So did everyone watch at the same time? That's right. Everybody press play at the same time. That's cool. And then they all tweeted through the movie, the two hours of it. So it was a lot of fun sharing pictures. That's neat. And thoughts as we went through it. And uh, if I, we if we ever do if we do another movie the next time we end up doing a movie yeah as one of our picks we should do that we like we should tell people ahead of time we'll set up a time to watch it and we can well this is assuming somebody else is listening to us oh, there yeah, that's right yeah <laughs> but but yes it is something that would be fun to that try would be fun if if there was a bit of a community to do it with uh, I made my family watch E T with me last night 
Good. So I've got uh, two little boys, uh, yeah. six and eight years old. Yeah. And so they watched with me and my wife last night, and that was the first time they watched E.T., the boys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, watching it together was a, a lot of fun, even on Twitter. Yeah. And watching it with my kids was fun. Um, what what the, version did you watch? Both times I've watched this blue, Blu-ray release from 2012, which is the original okay. 1982 movie. Good. So we'll talk. Well, we'll talk about that a bit later. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just want to give a shout out to ET Club, and if anybody's curious, go on Twitter and look for hashtag ET ET CLUB <laughs> ET Club. And the reason we did that last weekend was it was the 36th anniversary of ET. Okay. Because ET was released on June 11th. Ah, so, uh, yes. Yeah, so we're just coming to that. Was, oh, yeah, so as, as we're just, recording it, it was just last week. Yeah. E.T. How old were we going in, like, when we watched E.T. the first time, do you figure? So, so assuming was... we watched it the summer it released, we were nine years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and although, of course, back then, movies stayed in theaters a lot longer, I think, especially yeah, that's true. That's true. huge blockbusters yeah. like this one. Yeah. Did you know that E.T. was the highest grossing movie of the entire 80s? Yeah, I seem to recall, and it like beat out Star Wars or something yeah. even, eh? Yeah. It beat Star Wars and it remained the king until 93, I think it was. Really? When Jurassic Park came out. Really? Yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah, of beat all things. E.T. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I did not know that. But so really E.T. is the it is movie. the 80s movie. It is the 80s movie. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Even though it still has a bit of a feeling of of being kind of a smaller movie and a little... Yeah, uh, yeah I know what you mean. A little bit independent or something. Like a little... Yeah. Not not like a blockbuster. Not. Yeah, it's not like this, oh, cha- going to save the world kind of thing. Like that kind of importance. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just it's a, not a so... family story. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, it's basically a family story. It is. So, E.T. really is one of my favorite movies of the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't want to go see it when it first came out. Oh, why not? I don't know. I wasn't interested. Do you know what movie I wanted to see? Oh, I'm trying to think of what would have... Would, was Raiders out around the same time? No, that's not... Well, that's maybe... Wasn't it Raiders 81, maybe, I think? Maybe, yeah. yeah. Okay, what came out in... I but can't it came think out, of came out the one other movie. Time. Yeah, the other movie that came out summer 82 was mm-hmm. Tron. Oh, Tron. yeah. Hey, who's that guy? That's Tron. He fights for the users. Tron. And because I was yeah. totally a computer and video game nerd sure. by that point, yeah. uh, that is the movie I wanted to see. And so that's why I asked my parents, show me, bring me. Nope, nope, we didn't go. You didn't get to see Tron in the theater? Didn't get to see Tron in the theater I don't at think all. I saw it in the theater yeah. either. Uh, but my parents, without me asking or even without me really wanting to go, yeah. brought me to see E.T. My parents brought me to see E.T. too. Yeah. So. And I remember being at E.T. and my cousins were sitting like two rows in front of me. Maybe it was like this movie that parents thought they should bring their kids to see. That's, I think that's what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, a lot of 80s movies aren't quite as uh, family and kid friendly as you might think. 
Yeah, none of them are. No. <laughs> You're right. Basically, oh, yeah, all like, 80s movies. I want to show my kids Goonies and stuff, and I, I no, not yet. <laughs> not yet. In fact, I think we, we fast-forwarded a little bit of E.T., yeah, um, just at the beginning, probably when they were drinking and smoking and playing D and D. It's like you know what? Let's just and is that when? No, they heard the insult. The boys heard the insult. Pee pee breath. <laughs> They're boys. They know what penises are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. This is funny. Yeah, I'll let you drive this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I. I didn't want to go to E.T., but of course, during the movie, I just, yeah, I fell, I fell oh, yeah. for it. You yeah, know, for it, sure. so many things about it. I, I just loved. Did you, did you know what to expect going in to see E.T.? No, see, I knew nothing about it. Me too. Yeah. All I knew was E.T. the extraterrestrial. And all I knew was, okay, extraterrestrial means alien. So this is a movie about an alien. Yeah. That's what I knew going into it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, I don't even know if I knew that much. <laughs> okay. I knew that, that I was apprehensive going in to see it because you know this. Yes. I got scared a lot at alien movies in the eighties and I yeah. went to see a bunch of them. I enjoyed them, but they scared me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When Darren was, when Darren was younger, he was pretty easy to scare and like to freak <laughs> out about certain things. Oh yeah. 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 So there's a number of movies. The if we ever watched the last Starfighter together, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we went and saw that for in Darren's, the theater in the theater yeah. for his birthday. And Darren was literally I'm hiding behind hiding the chairs. behind. He was down on the Ground. floor, down on the floor <laughs> in the cinema, yeah, hiding down there and pretty much sobbing. And we kept trying to get him to come up and watch more <laughs> but i think you were trying to get me to come up and watch more so that you could make watch me cry more probably <laughs> yeah yeah so especially uh oh anyway, okay we'll talk about so i, I knew sometime. alien yeah and i kind of got to the point where elliot was about to to meet et in that cornfield yeah it's like yeah, I know I'm going to get scared at this point. And yeah, it scared me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one other story about Darren. Do you remember that our school library had a book about aliens in it? Maybe I've blocked it from my memory. Yeah, and and it had these pictures of aliens in it. Yeah. And, you know, if you read really carefully, they would say that this is like an artist's illustration sure, or yeah. a model or yeah. whatever An artist's conception yeah. of but but the books were clearly meant to uh was it like one of those titillate freaky canada books or something like yeah, that like, yeah like yeah and uh so there was one page in particular that had quite a few pictures of aliens and they weren't just drawings they were like they were models or something oh yeah i don't remember I don't this but anyway we would we would <laughs> We would try to get you to look at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I figured the story was going. <laughs> so, uh, and I didn't want to have anything boy, to do with boy, it. Boy, we could get good reactions out of you. <laughs> it was just you made it so worth it. Yeah, oh, I, I just, that'd be fun to see that book now. Yeah, I just remembered that now. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. it's funny though. Like the 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 alien stuff or ghost stories and just unexplained stuff. Like there was a big draw 
to me towards that stuff, but it scared me. Yeah. Like, and I would totally get freaked out about it too. Yeah. yeah. I've got something really you know, important said to tell you. He got sixty nine thousand on asteroids yesterday. When he pulled the plug. Let's talk about some of our favorite things about ET. Okay. I've got lots of them, but we'll, oh, yeah. we'll try to. Sure. Okay. The BMXs. Yeah. And this was right around the time where BMXs were being a thing. Yeah. But these were kind of like big BMXs. Uh, See, I remember when BMXs came out, they were bigger. And then they kind of shrunk down in size a little bit. Maybe I was smaller and I grew into the. But, but look, I watched the movie last night on VHS, plugged it in. Yeah. And I was saying, yeah, those are big BMXs. Those were the big style BMXs that came out early on, I thought. There, there was a variety between the different boys and their BMXs. Wasn't there? Like Maybe there was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember maybe at one point Mike was riding a BMX and he had a smallish BMX. Yeah. But maybe there was they just had interchangeable BMXs depending on the scene. Yeah, and they would just grab somebody's BMX. And... I think when they had maybe the adults riding the BMXs dressed up like the kids, maybe they had the big BMXs then. Yeah. Yeah, that that's right. And uh, so, are we, you, did you ever have a BMX? For I didn't have a BMX. No. You had a BMX yeah. with the octopus grip blue uh, handlebar grip things. Yeah. I remember that. I had, we called it a tank. I, yeah. It was one of the first bikes that had shocks on yeah, it. Yeah, those awesome, those awesome shock bikes that you had, yeah. And then it had the fake plastic gas tank on the front. Yeah, basically. It's like a motocross or something. It's supposed to look like a motocross bike or something. Yeah, basically yours look like a motorcycle yeah. with great big shocks, and front long, and back wheel. And the long seat. Yeah, and a long seat. Good and, for doubling. And, and I think your bike weighed like 100 pounds because of those <laughs> giant springs. And Could have, There's yeah. just so much to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I had BMX, and for a while, I was so obsessed with BMXs that, yeah, I was even customizing them, like getting, oh, yeah. like those grips. Oh, yeah, I remember the grips, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying I was amazing. I was just a kid. Yeah. I was like 10 or whatever, but uh, I was buying accessories for my BMX to put it on. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, it was a lot of fun taking jumps. There was a pit. Uh, there was like an undeveloped sand lot sand lot like this lot this one on arthur street kind of beside the chinese restaurant and the muffler place well there was that one back there but then up off of river yeah by churchill yeah there was i don't know why but one house never got built on this otherwise super residential street yeah and uh that one there's like a lot of sand there. Yeah, and I like don't know. Big whoop-de-doos and stuff. I don't know if there was a big, uh, an adult who was totally into this helping this or what, but a big, like basically a course was built yeah. there yeah. with jumps and like yeah. turns and everything. And that, that was just great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, BMXs. Uh, another favorite thing, E.T. is trying to build his phone to yes. go home. And as he's collecting those parts, that's excellent. Like he's he's got the speak and spell. Yeah. He's got the saw blades. There's yeah. a scene where Elliot, the two brothers, Elliot and Michael, are in the garage looking for parts. Um, and yeah, anyway, that whole contraption. With the uh, umbrella. And, yeah, the yeah. umbrella. And, uh, and then them constructing on site. E.T. and Elliot go out to this clearing in the field yep. to build it and hook it up. It's tree powered. And yeah, yeah. The wind blows the trees <laughs> and the sway. branches pull on the ropes and the rope kind of makes the saw blade record player thing go around. And Yeah. 
sends out the message. Yeah. Encoded on the saw blade, I guess. Yeah. 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 And uh, there's a, a fork used yeah. as like a lever that grabs the next uh, blade on the saw, yep. the next, yep. uh, what are those called? Tine. Maybe? Tines. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Tine. Tine. Okay. Elliot's, do you want to get some in or favorite moments? Well, I liked how they're playing D&D at the very beginning. Yeah. But the way they're playing D&D was way different from how we played D&D. Yes. And I almost thought that as a kid watching it thinking, oh, well, this is a stupid way that they're showing to play D&D. That's not really how you play D&D. Yeah. That's how you play D&D in the movies or for TV. <laughs> because when we played D&D, yeah. it was all paper and pencil and dice and brains. Yeah. But these they had a miniature dungeon set up and stuff like that. Yeah. And we never did anything like that. I don't think people really did that. We had... Miniatures weren't... D&D miniatures, I don't think that was a real well, thing, was it? People were definitely using miniatures for playing Dungeons & Dragons back then. Yeah. Uh, but it was like the older people who... Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, th- I think what happened is, in a way, we ended up with a very sanitized version of Dungeons & Dragons mm-hmm. where we bought a book and then yeah. we learned how to play it just from reading a book. Yeah. And we approached it like the little computer programmers we were. Oh, yeah, I know. We totally did. Where it was like, these are the rules and you play it. And meanwhile... Even to the point where I remember designing dungeons. Yeah. And I would have like a a note for a particular room. You have to step on every square in the dungeon (laughs) to be able to do something, right? Like to assemble the pieces of something. Yeah. And how would you even know? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, It's funny. Meanwhile, there were other people playing Dungeons and Dragons from much more of a role-playing acting side where they were telling stories uh, and they were acting it out in a sense. Mm -hmm. Even if they were sitting at a table, they were still uh, acting or improving, perhaps. And all the rules were was a way of trying to decide arguments in a sense resolving the conflict resolving conflict between the different parties but yeah we we just took it oh yeah it was a game yeah it was like snakes and ladders or (laughs) you know D &D. it's a game roll those dice yeah roll those dice and yeah follow the rules yeah so that yeah um so that that scene is interesting for a few reasons i mean the it, it's, it was kind of frightening to me in a way I really identified with Elliot mm-hmm. being kind of the outsider yeah. and the nerd and those big kids to yeah. me. Now, now I look at them, of course, yeah. they're just buck tooth young yeah. teenagers. They might not even be teenagers. They, well, I guess if yeah. Mike is back in the car or the driveway, he's yeah. not 16. No, but, but he yeah, those kids were close. supposed to be around 50. The, yeah. the bigger 14, kids 15, were 14, sure. 15. Yeah. And, uh, that to me is like a scary, intimidating environment at sure. that time. And I felt kind of like Elliot yeah. being the outsider. They're kind of not wanting him to play with them. Uh, so now added to it was this interesting idea that they were smoking and there's actual, it's, yeah. it's not just incense. I was, I was trying to decipher this, but yeah, it looks like there's a, a lit cigarette mm-hmm. on an ashtray and, mm-hmm. And there's mom uh, doing the dishes or whatever around yeah. them. And she's fine with that, I guess. I guess. Uh, but then just shortly after, there's the, the pizza is yeah. ordered and the pizza gets spilled. 
who ordered a pizza without telling me? Yeah, the mom is that's getting, a big deal. The mom is getting angry about other kids, not even her own kids, ordering a pizza with their own money. I yeah, think. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> smoking's not. But a they're big smoking deal. okay. Yeah. yeah. And and one of the boys is even. Uh, yeah, he's reaching out to touch the mom's bum. Yes, I'm gonna touch her bum. Yeah, and he's acting like you know. That's a funny thing for yeah. her to get upset about. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. But maybe that's just how things were. Okay. How about Elliot's room? It's a mess. It's a mess, but it's a mess of... He's got a lot of cool stuff. He's got a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. It is a mess. Oh, yeah. And, um, but various moments... It's totally the kind of room that a mom who wouldn't care if kids were smoking in her house would let her son have. <laughs> She's not going to tell him to clean up his room. That's right. Go have another smoke, Elliot. So at one point, uh, you can see a, a Lego set is on the shelf. Oh, I didn't uh, notice yeah, the Lego set. Yeah, quite clearly. Yeah. And back when they called it Lego Universal Building Set. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a Rubik's Cube yeah. on the shelf. Um, there's a neat moment when Elliot starts to sign E.T.'s really his friend. Yeah. And E.T. needs to learn a lot of stuff. Yeah. He breaks out the Star Wars toys. Yeah. Yeah. And... When when he did that, I was thinking, is that where we got the idea that some of the guys from the cantina had these names like Snaggletooth and Walrus Head yeah. and stuff like that? Because I don't think those are really the names of them in Star Wars, but we used to call them those names. And I think that we probably picked it up from Elliot. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, yeah actually, I wrote down, he, this is Greedo, Hammerhead, Walrus Man, yeah. Snaggletooth, <laughs> and this is Landel Calrissian. Ah. Yeah. And this is Boba Fett. Look, they can even have wars. Yeah, they can have wars. <laughs> Just between the two of yeah, them. That's yeah, right. and, they're, uh, uh, and then he goes, this is Pez. You put candy in here. This is a peanut. You eat it, but you can't eat this one because it's fake. See, you put money in it. See, this is money. You put it in the peanut. <laughs> Man, he's like totally confusing this guy. None of this makes sense. <laughs> poor, poor E.T. Um, Something that I noticed yeah. about the rooms is that, and I only noticed last night, is that Gertie's room and Elliot's room share a closet. Oh, they yeah. have a common closet. Yes. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, and that's that's pretty important for the movie too because uh, ET that because the closet becomes his home. Yep. for a while. Yeah. Uh, late in the movie, Michael goes and sleeps there when ET's quite sick. Yeah. Uh, Michael goes and sleeps in there, and uh, and there's also a couple moments where the mom is about to discover ET. We yeah, think. was the classic moment. Eh? Yeah, ET hiding among all the uh, all the dolls. Yeah, and he's just got a still face. <laughs> Stand over there. What? You might scare him. Let's talk a little bit more about the scary parts of E.T. Okay. There's the cornfield that yes. you talked about at it's the beginning. Like, it's like the jump scare type thing. Yeah. It's like, okay, what is the alien going to look like? Is he going to look like one of these aliens in the books that the guys at school are always trying to make me look at? Or yeah. is it going to... like? <laughs> and he's not really a that scary. Like He's not like a monster looking kind of guy. Yeah. Like, he can look quite gentle and, and kind, E.T. can. Yes. And, yeah, he's... But, yeah, that's that's scary. Yeah, a little like a big turtle face. Yeah, uh, sure. Really, eh? yeah. From the front. Yep. Um, yeah, and what's interesting about that is it's scary because E.T. is screaming. Yeah. But E.T. is scary, screaming in fear. Yeah. He's scared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so it flips around. Uh, and that happens quite a few times in the movie where there's the idea that it's the humans that are the scary sure. people. Yeah. The, it's the adults who are the aliens, yeah. in a sense, yeah. who aren't part of this world. E.T. Yeah. and his adopted family, yeah. they, their family, yeah. and it's all the people around them in the world that are yeah. are the outsiders, the aliens, that are the, the real threat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even, like, right from the very beginning... Yes. All the all the men wandering around in the bush looking for E.T. And E.T.'s the one who's scared. And E.T.'s the one who, yeah, is running for his life or whatever. Yeah. Some other cool 80s sightings inside uh, when, uh, in, in their house, when Michael hasn't met E.T. yet. He mm-hmm. comes home with his football gear on. Yeah. And he's wearing... A Space Invaders shirt. Yeah, he yeah, is. really. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a. It's a pretty neat shirt. Yeah. Uh, and then he's talking about how his friend uh, got sixty nine thousand points on asteroids. On asteroids, and that like is that they, a good score? I'm not even sure if it's a good <laughs> score, but he made it sound like it was such an epic game that yeah. they pulled the plug on him to because they had to close down the place yeah, that's or right. whatever. That's right. Yeah, and there's another moment where there's an Atari twenty six hundred console. Uh, not turned on, okay. but it's on top of their TV. Yeah. That when ET's like behind the TV. And yeah. Fr- yeah. Yeah. Uh, on top of that TV. They should have been playing Donkey Kong. This was 1982. Donkey Kong was the big hit. <laughs> it was, yeah, of course it was filmed in night, was written in early 1981. Yeah. And then filmed in the last part of, of A1. Okay. The Halloween scene was actually filled, filmed on Halloween. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. Yeah. The other really scary moment is when their house is invaded. Oh, yeah. By astronauts. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I kind of had to explain that to my boys last night, too. It's like, why are there astronauts coming into the house? Yeah. But yeah, and it's bizarre. It's like, why are you coming in the windows and all these other places all at the same time? Why not just come through the front door? Yeah, like you can understand them kind of surrounding the place so they don't escape. Yeah, uh, but why enter? Why enter from like surround it so that they don't yeah. escape? But why come in the yeah, weird, climb weird in the windows window. and stuff? And like right that. before the window moment, for no good reason, the train, the the toy yes. train, starts, starts running. Did ET start that up somehow? Well, that's I guess maybe or maybe, maybe somebody just stepped on a switch. That seems like kind of the only, yeah. There's all these very extra dramatic things happening, yes. but it was, it was scary. So I explained it to my boys as yeah. far as the astronauts go is they're not really astronauts. Those are just hazardous material suits. Right. Which I guess they probably yeah. were. Now that's something kind of consistent. But why that, why that helmet? Yeah. That, that's, that's like a, for the sun or something like that. Yeah. It, it's like astronaut, astronaut suits, I guess, which are like the absolute most self-contained mm-hmm. suits that exist. Yeah. Um, and that can stand the harshest environments. Yeah. But then, then when they turn the house into kind of the operating yeah. room or the, when they the set hospital, up the mobile, then they're just hospital. wearing kind of more normal blue suits yeah. and like they're, they are infectious. Yeah. Okay. And then there's this really weird, when they, I think as soon as they think E.T.'s dead, they start all taking off their masks. Because, you know, he's threat, dead, so he's dead. all the germs are dead now, yes. too. Just, or they've, whatever they've you're worried about. They've instantly gone away. Yeah. 
So, so there are some inconsistency. I mean, overall yeah. the movie's good, but oh, yeah. but it should be noted that they brought real doctors in for that scene of oh, yeah. of the death. Yeah, and that all that dialogue between them is yeah. is quite authentic. Okay, that's yeah. Neat. It's not just actors who tried to memorize uh, technical medical speak. Okay, it's for real surgeons. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, and they brought in like a dozen of them, that, oh. and they were all like eager to volunteer for a Spielberg film. Well, yeah, why not? Yeah, I wanted to ask about why ET got sick. Yeah, because that's I don't know if that was like. I don't think it's explicitly stated. Why did E.T. get sick and die? Yeah, I, I don't think we understand that either, or I, or I don't understand yeah. that. Um, I, I, was, I was trying to explain to my boys last night yeah. what was going on. So do you want to hear my theory? Yes. Okay, so E.T. needs love to live. Okay, hippie Darren here. But something like that is going on. He, he either needs like family or love or some sort of, you know how at the very beginning, oh, you know how the very beginning um, of the movie, it's like they're communicating, all the ETs are communicating without talking. So maybe there's some sort of connection. ET needs some sort of connection that he doesn't have when his other ETs leave. And he's got some sort of connection with Elliot. Yeah. And so that helps him to live for a while, but it's not enough. He needs he needs that love kind of connection type thing. And so he gets sick and he dies. And why does he come back to life? Yeah. Maybe he wasn't quite totally dead, but what makes him better is that not only does Elliot realize that he really loves him and he misses him, but the whole family realizes at that point that they love E.T. and maybe even the friends and stuff around. And so there's this this love that kind of comes yeah. back into E.T. and it kind of revives him and gives him the strength and maybe the combination of his his other E.T.s his coming back. His people are coming spaceship. back. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's, that's totally it. Uh, E.T. is communicating with his fellow countrymen at the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. And their heart lights are all going off, yes. right? Like they're all... And so I think that is an important part. Like yeah. that that's um, a necessary thing yes. for them. Yeah. Uh, it might also be that Earth isn't the perfect uh, environment for ET sure. with like just whatever our our air or yeah. our water Germs. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so that all contributed. But yeah, I, I think that's right. It's Elliot's um, emotion. That helps him uh, come back. Yep. And then, yeah, and the return. Uh, the idea is, I think it's even stated in the film, is that Elliot doesn't so much think E.T.'s yeah, thoughts. But he feels. He feels. Yes, I yeah. wrote that down. Yeah, and I think that was a, a Elliot important... feels E.T.'s feelings. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned Heartlight. Yeah. Do you remember the Neil Diamond song? Yeah, that was interesting, eh? Yeah. Turn on your heart light In the middle of a young boy's dream Don't wake me up too soon Gonna take a ride across the moon It's funny that they could successfully sue him, though... For yeah, essentially, so tell me about this. Well, my understanding—it was never in the movie. 
or anything like that. So it, is it not like an official E.T. kind of thing? Yeah, he just... Never wrote, on the soundtrack? He just wrote it, and it's like a fan... A song by a fan. I really love this love this movie, and I'm going to write a song about it. Yeah, yeah. And but because he was inspired by the movie, somehow the ET people successfully got money out of him. Yeah, for, but it was a huge hit. Yeah, it's hard to know what to say about it. It's, yeah, it's it's a very corny song. Yeah, but all his songs are. Yeah, it's it's a Neil Diamond song. Yeah, for the most part, it's not my kind of thing. Yeah. So, and it, like, I knew of it when I was a kid, obviously. But yeah. I didn't really care too much about it, other than when I kind of figured out, hey, is this about E.T.? Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think it actually went through court. I think it was a thing where Neil said, well, okay, you can have one of my millions of dollars <laughs> okay, or whatever. Yeah. And Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I did kind of rip you off, didn't I? <laughs> I don't know. At the same time, it seems you should be able to write a song... If you don't use the, yeah, the trademarks, yeah, it's it's not like they ever called it ET's Heartlight in the movie or anything like that. Yeah, it's, I don't yeah. think the the word Heartlight ever got no. spoken. But can you think of like another song that somebody like lifted the idea from a movie or something like that? Well, like all of my songs, but, but oh, you mean that are popular? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that are yeah, good. That's right, yeah. Oh, oh, no, <laughs> I didn't say I that. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, no, I can't. like, normally it's like you get, you get commissioned to write it or you're like, you're part of like the movie soundtrack yeah. team or something it's like, like we that. We don't want Neil Diamond on our soundtrack. Neil, Neil Diamond's fan, it's not even fan fiction, just, what do you call that kind of stuff? There's a, there's a term for it. Filk. Filk. Oh, is that what it's called? Uh, Filth. No. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, there's a genre of music called filk. Okay. I mean, there's these people, filk. there's these nerdy people who get together for these conferences. Okay, I say nerdy people because I'm super nerdy. Yeah. Um, I don't mean it in a derogatory way. Like we used to mean when we called people nerds when we were kids, and now nerd is a cool thing. Yeah, but I don't mean those kind of cool nerds. I mean the ones who are still really yeah. nerds. Yeah, There's no consensus on what filk is. <laughs> but it's like fan... <laughs> Music, tribute music. Yeah, it's Not, like fictional. Yeah. yeah, it's it's songs about fictional universes and such. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So maybe like Led Zeppelin stuff about Middle Earth, would that be filk? Would that be the closest to Neil Diamond's Heart Yeah, song? I mean, most filk is done where it's just somebody who only knows about four chords on guitar and they sit around and play it in these kind of these circles filk music is a musical culture genre and community tied to science fiction fantasy horror fandom and a type of fan labor yeah um that was a tangent it usually doesn't include uh big commercial well-produced hits sure yeah Yeah. usually it's much more folky yeah yeah kind of Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Darren's staring at me in that way. Hey, boy, E.T. has great lighting throughout the movie. Did you notice the lighting? Well, my boys commented on why is it so dark all the time. Yeah. But, you know, we were watching a 1996 VHS 
through the antenna, through the coaxial cable into the TV yeah, because that's so how I could get color into that, it. Right. Yeah. So that's not ideal. <laughs> no. Um, and the black. But did you f- feel no, uh, I that the important things? Not at all. Were, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was. It's it's a well-made film. Yeah. And it's to me, it's just full of super good lighting, mm. like from the outdoor, the indoor parts, yep. like in in the house. Um, yeah. I, I just think. Uh, I can't think of a movie that has better lighting, <laughs> but we don't have to get so deep into that, but I want to yeah, commend sure. those people. Yep. Um, another nice little Star Wars crossover moment. Um, two Yoda moments. Are you thinking yeah, about the, those? The Yoda moments. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, swear it one more time. I have absolute, have absolute power. Yes. <laughs> You did pick up on, there's one where Michael... Mike is kind of doing the Yoda voice. Yes. Yes. That's right. And yeah. then the other, of course, is on the Halloween, Halloween. day. Yeah. Yoda walks by E.T. Yeah. And... E.T. kind of wanders over, hey, you're my kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, he E.T.'s like, oh, home, home, and starts <laughs> yeah. following Yoda. Yeah. So that was a really nice little touch. And, of course, uh, Spielberg and George Lucas are, have been good friends. Yep. Uh, for a lot of years, and they frequently refer to each other's movies. <laughs> I would say cross-contaminate. Cross-contaminate. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, one of the funnest, funnest. That's a word. A fun little moment in Star Wars The Phantom Menace, the much maligned yes. movie, was that in the, uh, oh, what, the Senate? the Senate? One of the Senate scenes. Yeah, of the, every... How do we describe that room? That the huge room where with the, all the different planets all, represented, with all the different alien races. Yes, and there's a, a pod full of ETs. Yep, there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a nice, nice little. So maybe ET actually recognized Yoda. He said, "Oh, I know you. Like you are actually one of the guys." Home, home. Yeah. Okay. So that. Yeah. Sure. That totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's it more than just legitimizes. It's more than just a nod to his buddy's movie. Yeah. But in real life, there actually is the Yoda ET crossover. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's really happened. This was two different ideas he had. Yep. When uh, Spielberg made Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I heard about this. You heard yeah. about this. Okay. Yeah, tell me. So at the end of the Close Encounters, the, the big mothership lands. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of something different. I'm thinking of the poltergeist ET connection. So tell me about the Close Encounters. Oh, okay. Well, just at the end of the movie, yeah. an, uh, an alien mothership comes down. Comes yeah. down. Yeah. And it's, you know, got aliens. Yeah. Um, and you see the alien, but he goes back in the ship and disappears, right? Yes. So just the, the concept was, what if that alien stayed Step behind? Yeah. Stayed behind and stayed on Earth. Uh, what would happen? Yeah. Right yeah. on. So that's half the idea. And the... Uh, so almost like a, a foreign exchange student, yes, you know, yeah, which is always a fun idea, uh, yeah. And then the other side of the movie is about divorce, mm-hmm. the effect on kids. Yeah. And I don't think that really struck me when I was watching it as a kid so much that this was. I mean, nowadays divorce is so common that people don't want to talk about oh broken homes. Yeah, it's become yeah, for sure normalized. 
it now it's normal and it almost seems sappy or even wrong to talk about broken home yeah, and stuff or that that's at all it's that not thing. an ideal situation yeah so yeah and i kind of get that like well and and sometimes rightfully it can be argued that you know the family yeah. is better off without yep. one of those people there anymore yep. if they were abusive or, yeah totally or whatever totally. so so that that's that's fine yep. but there was a real sense uh in the 80s i think more so that that divorce could really hurt kids yep. and um and and so this family was still uh, getting used to dad not being around anymore. Yeah. Uh, everybody in the family was affected by it yeah. uh, in their own way. And uh, it was clear that uh, the kid's mom uh, wanted her or, well, maybe she, anyway, she wasn't, she didn't leave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her husband left. Um, yeah. So he put these two ideas together because Spielberg himself, his parents separated when mm-hmm. that or, or divorced. Uh, when he was young, and and that was a relatively rare thing sure. at that time. Sure. Uh, so he wanted to make a movie about that. And didn't he have like an imaginary friend? I think I read the like first two paragraphs of the Wikipedia article on, yeah. on ET. Yeah, and, and that he made up like this imaginary alien friend or something like that. Yeah, he made up an imaginary friend, and that be, did eventually become ET. Yeah. Yeah, when the two stories were kind of coming together. Yeah. There was an original story that was a lot scarier mm. before he brought it into this family idea right. instead. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget, what was the other? Poltergeist. E- Poltergeist. E-T. Yeah. Okay. So either I read this or I, I heard it somewhere very recently that Spielberg had Poltergeist and E.T. and they were just two ways of exploring like suburban 1980s. Poltergeist is like the chaos, the darkness, um, the evilness of things. And um, E.T. is just like the dreaming and the imagination and the and the good stuff kind hmm. of thing. So just yeah. kind of like two takes on suburban 80s stuff. Yeah. Can we talk about Reese's Pieces? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got that somewhere. Okay, yes. you got something about that somewhere. Of, of course, there's the whole story about M&M's Reese's Pieces. M&M didn't want to do it. Reese's Pieces said, hey, we'll do it for you. Yeah. But... Do you remember before E.T., something like this, like, I think it was brought to my attention that this was an intentionally, they put recess pieces in the movie, and maybe I even knew this either going in to see the movie or, or shortly afterwards, that this was kind of like advertising in the movie in a way that was different from the Coors Light that was in the fridge or some other sort of food or any other product that you might see in a movie. Product placement. Yeah, like this was product placement. This was the first time that it was made explicit. Oh, they are deliberately trying to get you to notice this so that you will maybe want to buy your Reese's Pieces. Can you think of stuff before E.T. that at least you were aware of? Like, I'm sure it happened. Yeah, I mean, certainly this was the biggest, well, it was the biggest movie of the 80s, so uh, it was definitely the most prominent example. Uh, I have not researched that thoroughly, but... But nothing comes to mind when you think of movies that you watched before this. Nothing previous. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it certainly happened bigger and bigger, like uh, Back to the Future didn't have some huge... All the Pepsi stuff, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but that was 85, so... Yeah, this, this may have been... What certainly this was the first blockbuster I think that okay. had it because how many blockbusters were there before this? Star Wars. Yeah. 
and Star Wars didn't have product placement except <laughs> itself. It, yeah, the whole thing right. became yeah. a, a commercial a product. Lots of this movie is from the perspective of the kids. You might notice yeah. that adults are, except for the mom, mm-hmm. adults are never shown. Uh, their faces are never shown. They're just shown kind of from the waist down sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Well, um, you get all the doctors so and stuff like towards the end. Just at the at the end. That's okay. R- yeah, that's the only time. Uh, the whole first two-thirds of the movie, roughly. Mm-hmm. No adults. They're, okay. Uh, there's silhouettes of them like yeah. when, when you see the science team or the the fbi yeah, yeah coming up the hill or yeah or but, not up the hill but get out of the car and yeah, stuff like but that you never see their face oh, you yeah. never see yeah, yeah throughout uh the movie until keys he, there's yeah. one character that has the jingling has the keys. Jingly keys yeah we finally see his face through we finally see his face through the uh one of those masks um walking into into oh, elliot's yeah. house yeah Late in the One movie. of the hazard suits. The hazard suits, suits yeah. yeah. Once they're sick. So, yeah, um, yeah and that, that was a very deliberate uh, choice that he didn't want, uh, Spielberg didn't want the adults to have personalities. Okay. And that's part of what made uh, them even more alien ah. than E.T. Yeah. Yeah, neat. Um, so... Uh, Spielberg wasn't a dad when he filmed this okay. uh, movie. He and this was his first exposure. He says to kind of being a dad. He felt uh, because there wasn't a dad in the movie. Right. Uh, he felt that he became their dad in oh, a yeah. sense for these intense three or four months of filming. Yeah. And uh, after that, he went on. He's got seven kids. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. Good between be, between different marriages and sure. stuff. Uh, but uh, he seems like a very committed father now. Uh, but he he really credits this group of young actors. And I should say, I found, like, has there ever been a less annoying cast of kids yeah, for in a sure. movie? Like, every every one of them, none of them annoy me. No, I like yeah, all, that's right. I like all three. I mean, I don't like their friends. I don't like uh, Michael's friends. Yeah. They're annoying, but yeah. in different ways. And and they're pretty good actors, too. Like, they are. There's, there's none of this, like... They, they're not like doing, well, it's a serious, it's a drama. So they're not doing silly things to get the laughs or anything like that. But yeah, they're, they're pretty good bunch of kids doing their jobs really well. Yeah. And Spielberg left a lot of room for them to do improvisation. Oh yeah. That he says, this is the first time he didn't have a, a full script for a movie. Really? He actually approached every day with, these are the shots he needs to complete. Oh Yeah. And he had ideas, but he allowed the kids uh, to okay to make up quite a bit. So let's talk about favorite quotes from the movie. Like okay. we talked a few, uh, like kind of touched on a couple yes. of them. Like oh, you know, he feels Elliot's feelings and stuff like that. But and peepee breath. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna cut those? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Can I not say peepee breath? Well, you certainly can say it. Should I not say pee-pee breath? It might be awkward if, I don't know, I just think of my kids listening to this and... Okay. I don't know, you can, you can leave it. If you, if you feel good about pee-pee breath. I don't feel good about <laughs> pee-pee breath. <laughs> it's, it's... 
what should I replace it with? Doodle breath? Doodle breath. <laughs> Doodoo breath. No, no, no. Pee pee breath? Pee pee breath. Pee pee breath. Okay. I'll go back. Okay, so let's say pee pee breath. Pee pee breath. Now you say it. Pee pee breath. Okay, now I'll go back and I'll take those and I'll, I'll put it over top of everything else. Will you really? Maybe. Okay. Yep. Okay, so favorite quotes from the movie. Yeah. Besides pee pee breath. Which isn't really one of my favorite. I, no, it's, it's not a favorite. That's quote. my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I yeah. like zero charisma. You're such a supremist. Yeah, that is a good one. And and that kind of comes back to the whole D and D type good thing. Good Dungeons again. and Dragons joke. Yeah. Yeah. Zero charisma. Yeah. And I wonder. I guess. I guess. Like my parents wouldn't have got that joke. No. Maybe, maybe they they say, "Oh, oh, you don't have any charisma." You have no but, charisma, yeah. But charisma seems to be like one of those kind of things that I understood as a kid in the '80s because of D and D. But that's not a word that people used outside of D and D. Yeah, and certainly when you say zero charisma, it's well, like you're given. It's not like you have no charisma. Yeah, there's a difference between saying you have no charisma. Yeah, or you're not charismatic at all, and zero charisma. <laughs> zero charisma. That's your stats. <laughs> Negative three charisma. <laughs> that's what's yeah. on your character sheet. Yeah, that's sheet. your character sheet. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, and, and I like Greg. Earlier in the film, one of the one of the friends is named Greg. Yes, and he has. Uh, is he the guy with the headphones? Yeah, he's the headphone guy, and he's yep. he might be the youngest, except for Elliot. He might yeah. be the second youngest. He seems to have the upper hand on Elliot early, like okay. during the the D and D scene. Yeah. But later in the film, Elliot seems to gain some superiority over him. Yeah. And, and there's a couple, like, just shut up, Greg, yeah. is, is, of course, a great one. Yeah. Um, shut up, Greg. Yeah. Uh, and another part, though, uh, well, this is this is towards the end when uh, E.T. has resurrected himself. Yeah. And he shows up Christ-like out of the back of the van with yes. the white robe on. Where did he get the white robe from? It must have just been I, the sheet. It looks like yes, a robe, though. It, it's it, like, where'd you find that bathrobe, yeah, he's, E.T.? He's got, he's got this white bathrobe on. It was but, left over from my Halloween But costume. actually, I, I looked at it pretty closely uh, on the Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's one of those hospital, those classic white hospital blankets. Okay. Which would make sense, right? That he just came yeah. from essentially a hospital, yeah. a makeshift hospital. So does it look like a robe on the Blu-ray? Well, it if you just look, yes. But if you look closely, it's like, that looks like a hospital blanket. Okay. It's just yeah. over his shoulders. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that? The, the, not, not a sheet. There's those heavy white. And by heavy white blanket, you mean a really thin white blanket. It's a blanket. I know what you're talking about. It's like a pair of long underwear material. Yeah. Yes. But it has a real heaviness to it. How about Elliot running around in his long underwear all the time? Yeah, all the time. In California. Yeah. Do people in California in the 80s run around in their long underwear? Well, it's October. Californians find October pretty chilly. I guess so. (laughs) Well, this is taking place in October, November. So it is into that approaching Christmas kind of season. But really... I, I agree it's a little weird. I... As a kid, didn't wear long underwear most days. Yeah, I know, in but Canada. I know, but we're in the winter. But we are Canadian, and that's just how we roll. Okay, I, I think that's why. All right. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about toys before we wrap up. 
Well, I, I know you're not ready to wrap up, but favorite quote. Oh yeah, favorite oh, quote. We did we did talk about toys a bit. Why didn't you oh, just we did come talk, in there? No, like not toys in the movie, but toys that I had. Et oh, toys. ET I toys. had. Okay, okay. So let's finish. So, but when Et comes out of the back of the van, he's in his white robe, resurrected, and then if you could only see Robin in his Et pose, <laughs> and uh, this is the first time Elliot is introducing Et to. All, all the guys. Yeah, he says this is ET. He's a spaceman. We got to get him back to the spaceship, basically, right? <laughs> yeah. But then that's when Greg says, "Well, why doesn't he just beam up?" And he says, "Oh yeah, this is reality, Greg. This is reality, Greg. <laughs> yes, we liked that quote last night too." <laughs> Unlike most movies, this was shot in chronological order from beginning to end. Oh yeah, and that was to facilitate. The improvisation and the emotional reactions okay, sure. of the of young the kid actors of the kids, right? Because they sense. really went through the whole journey themselves. Yep. And so when ET was getting sick and dying, yep, that was news to them. Okay, so they and, didn't know the whole plot of the film. Yeah, especially oh, cool. especially young uh, Gertie. Yeah, uh, she did not know, and she really oh. thought, uh, especially when he was died, and they brought out the what? What's the machine that you zap? The paddles. The pat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to try and get E.T.'s heart going again. Yeah. Uh, and it was making these loud crack, you know, those yeah. sounds and the, the violence of it. And yeah. that was very genuine for her, oh, wow. her reaction. Yeah. Like they're hurting him. Yeah. They're, yeah. yeah. Um, I yeah. like the escape scene. Like that was a lot of fun. Yes. Might get into drive. Yeah. I've never driven <laughs> in, in. I've, I've never driven forward. Yeah, yeah I've that's never right. driven forward before. <laughs> that's a good line. <laughs> it is a good line. Yeah. And I like how they set up for that with his very painful backing up earlier oh, yeah, in the film. Yeah, like, exactly. Was, uh, and then Elliot, like, unplugging all the little things from the tube. Yeah. And it's like, plug, there's the last one. For the tech. The... Throws it at the guy. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was like right a uh, Roadrunner. Yeah, kinda, totally. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. E.T. Uh, Spielberg strangely got invited to the White House uh, in July 82. Oh, yeah. And President Reagan said, I want to watch this movie. And I guess President Reagan doesn't go to the theater. I guess presidents don't get to go. Okay, to so the... they brought the So Spielberg film. brought the film over. And to they, the White House. And they, they watched, watched it, it there, yes. Down in Nixon's bowling alley in the yeah. basement. Yeah, and Spielberg uh, got to sit right next to President Reagan during mm. that time. And... Uh, was able to watch he instead of watching the film he watched Reagan he watched Reagan watch his film yeah. and all the emotions that Reagan went through and yeah. and that's when he he really felt like he was on like this was going yeah. to connect with people yeah this was connecting with people right on um how about a sequel to E.T. yeah I don't know how that could be a good idea they immediately got him to write one really yeah and they wrote it yeah and and they realized it's a bad idea yeah everybody decided that this is really going to hurt you just can't I wonder what it would have been wow Do you know what? okay yeah really quick yeah the quick version basically elliot and his family or friends yeah would get kidnapped by evil aliens by the evil ets by evil aliens not probably not yeah well they'd be ets but yeah, not, not the same, same race yeah and then they would try to contact et okay and his f- friends, friends to come rescue them yeah 
bad yep. idea. Good idea it, not doing good, it. We are glad that didn't happen. We talked about BMXs early, but we didn't talk about flying BMXs. Yeah. Which is really cool. Like, yes. flying BMXs. And I remember, like, regardless, okay, not talking about actually what's happening in the movie, but I remember thinking afterwards, how did they do that? How did they make those kids ride their bikes in the sky? And I just couldn't figure it out. Like, yeah. how old were we? We were nine? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I just didn't know this kind of stuff, or we weren't exposed to this, yeah. like how movies were made no, as a nine-year-old. No, we didn't think of it, especially... Because I think my, at least my eight-year-old could probably figure out how something like that might be done now. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe he couldn't. Well, yeah, although maybe a lot of people now just go, well, they use computers, and, yeah. that, and they're happy with that. Yeah, that's a good enough that answer. We'll use computers for I that. was sure they had glass ramps all over the place, wow. and the kids were riding on these glass ramps. Yeah. That's how I yeah, even then figured, okay, that must be how they did it. Yeah, yeah. even then they had blue-green screen type effects yeah. and mat- mats. Yeah where you would overlay something on glass and put Mm -hmm. it on top of the other. Yeah. Yeah. And those don't look so good anymore. Those effects, um, on, yeah. Well, on VHS, on VHS, VHS, they might look better. better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause they're blurred out a bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, do you want to talk at all about the difference between the original and the, that's, that's next in my, in my nearing, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously getting through a lot of this. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, you got your original 1982 movie. Yep. And then re-released in 85. Did you know that? Yeah, I knew that it came it back in the came theater. Back. Yeah. 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 And then another It was th- so popular and nobody had VHSs or Blu-rays. Yes. I guess it just wasn't it wasn't as popular. Yeah. So, let's and put then, it back in the theater. That's right. And then in 88 yeah. is when it came out on VHS. Okay. And I remember this firsthand because I worked at Bandito Video. You did, yes. The video store. I was 16. What was the what was the slogan for Bandito Video? I don't think it had a slogan, did it? I don't know. Well, just the Doesn't name. everything it, have a slogan? Yeah, but isn't the name a slogan enough? Bandito Video. It had a, a, a ridiculous... Sombrero wearing. Sombrero wearing... <laughs> Was Bandito just a Thunder Bay thing? It was a very small chain. Yeah. And a store remained from it down southern Ontario until really? just three or four years ago. Really? There was still Bandito video and they closed out. Yeah. And I was sorely tempted to buy some stuff on auction. That kind of would have been cool. But like a I did, sign or something yeah, like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Robin worked at Bandito video. So, it came out. E.T. came out. Okay. But what was major about it is yeah. that this... I think, although it's funny, I kept finding articles to prove this or, or about this. I think ET was the first mass marketed video release for home. What do you mean? Okay, by that I mean that you know, of course, different movies before 1988 yeah. came out on video and so on. Yeah, but you would go rent. Have can you think of? Did you know anybody who bought for their own home use? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, because you didn't buy videos. You would rent videos. You would rent them. It was kind of, thinking about it now, that's a a strange business model. Or maybe, yes, it's not what I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. So people... Yeah, because why would you want to own the video? You want to watch it once. Yeah, well, people, that's right. That's why the model, the renting model came up. And the way the studios dealt with that was to charge 
people don't know this, but in the 80s, almost every movie cost one or two hundred dollars for the video for stores. the videotape. Well, for everybody. Right, so nobody bought them, but the video stores. Nobody bought them, but the video stores, and the video stores would slowly recoup that investment if the the tapes would hold up long enough, renting them out for $3 a night over and over. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know that. No. I think, but I haven't found proof that Maybe it happened E.T. was a little like bit, the first. E.T. was at least the first big one yeah. where it said, you know what? Instead of charging 100 bucks, we are going to charge $25. So you can bring it home and watch it whenever bring you want. E.T. home. Oh, right? of course. Yeah, so e. it even tied in. Bring E.T. E. home. home. Yeah. yeah, and so it was even the slogan. It was built in, and they decided we're going to, we're going to sell them for 25 bucks. Everybody's going to buy them, and they yep. were right. And that might have been the first time people started. Now, of course, that became huge in the 2000s, and now yeah. it's died off again. Yeah. Uh, like DVDs. And and, stuff. Yeah, because yeah. of streaming. People aren't buying movies again, and that's yeah. totally changed. But that was that was when it started, oh. So, and I was there. And one other interesting thing about it, that E.T. videotape had copy protection. I oh. know because I tried to copy it. Yeah, I had a real copy borrowed from work. Yeah, uh, and you hook up two VCRs. Yeah, and you try copy from one to the other. Yeah, that would normally work. Yeah, but not with this. It had called something called macrovision. Uh huh. And it somehow fried up the signal enough that TV would put up with it, but huh. another VCR would just w- introduce just that much more error that it just it, wouldn't. It just looked junky. It yeah. looked horrible. Huh. It'd be all wavy and wow. Yeah. Neat. So there's a weird thing. Okay, so that was that version. That was the 88. Yes. Home release. Then the 20th anniversary, Darren, 2002. 2002. I've got my E.T. stuffy right here. Yeah. E.T. phone home. That's me. <laughs> that was a pretty good E.T. phone home. That was good. And this is from, this is, it's it was the Toys R Us, exclusively at Toys R Us, 2002 stuffed toy. Oh, yeah. That's his neck. Oh, his neck extends, but look like you were hurting him. Poor <laughs> E.T. Poor E.T. Yeah, cool. Ouch. Oh, you know what? Something I don't want to forget to miss. The voice of E.T., Darren? Yes. Was a lady named Pat Welsh. Okay. Was the voice of E.T. Yeah. She's this old lady that the sound designer, uh, oh, Bert. Wait, yeah. Wait, the, the, the sound guy. Yeah, and he did Star stuff. Wars stuff, too. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He found her like at a laundromat. Oh yeah, because she smoked like two packs a day. Yeah, so just to get that perfect ET to voice. Get that perfect e- so he just heard her talking and yeah. was like, "Would you come to record?" I think he only paid her a few hundred dollars. Oh yeah, but she just sat there, like at home, I think, and he mic'd her. Yeah, and uh, right, and she became the voice of ET with some other help. Of sure. course, he he overlaid yeah. other sounds, animal sounds, and all sorts of stuff. But she was the main voice hmm. for E.T. Do you know what her one and only other acting role was? Pat Wa- Welsh. Yeah, Pat Welsh. She had one other voice job like that. One other... I'm going to guess that she was like some other, maybe not an animal, but some other monster. She was a gremlin. No. That was a good guess though, wasn't no, it? No, but okay, I'll, I'll tell you, it's a okay. Star Wars character. Oh. Just in case you want one other guess. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> No, but but the the speaking is still 
Oh, it's still like words. It's still English. Yeah, it's still words. It's not just sounds. <laughs> I don't know. Who? Yeah. It's Princess Leia's alter ego. Bosk? Yes. Really? Yes. That's. I think that's what I... No, I wasn't doing that. Because she's. he's holding a thermal detonator. But what yeah. is he... But there, yeah. But, is it is it words that he says? Oh yeah, Bosch has yeah. All, has lots of lines actually. Okay, quite, quite a few. Yeah, okay. And they're, and they're quite understandable. Yes, but it's kind of like one of these kind of voices. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, I I'm, I should be E. T. and Bosch. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome and will gladly pay you the reward of twenty five thousand. You know, you know. Fifty thousand, no less. Yeah, well, now that like I'm sure she she must be dead by she now, must be so dead. you can George, take over, Stephen. Yeah, you know where to find me. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the two, th- so you've got the stuffy from the 2002 20th anniversary. Yes. They relaunched. They they came out with some new ET video games. Oh yeah. Well, we never talked about the Atari ET oh. video game, which I love and okay. is awesome. Great. And we don't have to talk about it now, but don't listen to anybody. I remember my friend John had it. You remember John? We are going to talk about it. Yes. Well, just briefly. Yeah, yeah. And and we played it at John's house, and I just didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get it. But what's interesting, does that mean it's a bad game, or that was actually almost just kind of too complicated a game? Too, there was something happening there. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's actually a really good game. It is a game where people needed to read the manual to yeah. learn a couple yeah. simple things, yeah. like how to get out of those pits, yeah. and how to avoid those pits. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but what's neat about it is is it's a, a kind of an open world yeah. of six screens. We're that, talking about it that you can freely wander around. Yeah, I, I want to say a couple good things about yeah. it. Um, it was designed under very tight deadlines. I heard with that. Very yes. limited, you know, restrictions on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Yeah. But fundamentally, the game, I think it's a pretty good design. Hmm. It's it's a cube world. Oh, is it really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And um, all the characters in it, like the bag, the various yeah. characters, all exist in those other screens. Even when you're not on the screen, yeah. those other screens are alive. They're there. Oh. They're they are there. Wow. Yeah, and that's kind of cool. Characters can freely move between the screens, like yeah. the NPCs. Yeah. Um, that's non-player uh, characters. Th- oh, thank you, Darren. Yes. And uh, yeah, I think the game has a lot going for it. Hmm. And it's mostly, yeah, the, the the problems with it were Atari making millions of copies of it and expecting them all to sell. Um, yeah, there are other problems yes. with it. Let's talk about the good things about the 2002 version of E.T. I don't Do, know that I've seen it. Okay, so it was changed. Yes. Quite a bit. Well, I know that there have there's changes. Yeah. Yeah. So they put some scenes in that... Oh, really? Weren't like in added the, new scenes? Yeah, they added new scenes that at least one of them... Well, I think there were two new scenes. Mm-hmm. And both of them, they tried to get in the original movie, but it didn't work out. Okay. There's an extra Halloween scene yeah, uh, where all these kids are super rioting out like... Devil, okay. what What's that? Devil's Gate, Night? Gate, yeah. Devil's Night? Gate Night, yeah. Gate Night, yeah. Uh, and then another one where E.T. is having a bath. 
Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Okay, but the way they successfully did it, they they made a horrible CGI ET with 2001 technology. Yeah. But they even started putting him back in the old scenes. Yeah. Taking the puppet out and putting CGI ET in. And boy, does he not look good most of the eh? time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's no good. Yeah. Uh, Now, there were some pretty bad well when et is running around at the very beginning when he's running from yeah the bad guys at the beginning he's basically a red light going in a straight line really fast and that's not it looks bad yeah they they did address that spielberg specifically said he didn't like that one yeah so instead they put in cartoon et oh yeah running leaping kind of gorilla style because of his long arms oh yeah oh really yeah and oh. they de- they decided that was how et would run maybe yeah. rightfully so okay yeah which is yeah okay but and they talked about uh in the making of they're talking about oh we kept it very low-key and we didn't want to draw attention to us like, yeah i know you didn't because you know what i i think the E.T., like the puppet, like the face of E.T. and stuff like that, I like it. Yeah. It, like, yeah, I know it's, I can tell it's a puppet, but it's good. Yeah. Like, I, I actually, I don't know that I can tell that it's a puppet, but it, yeah. I think it looks good. Yeah, I think it looks great. I think and, it stands up and pretty the well. And the eyes my boys are really did, good. My boys didn't complain at all about him saying, yeah. oh, he looks like a, a yeah. puppet or a remote control guy or anything but like that. But they replaced a whole bunch of that with animated faces. Yeah. Computer. Yeah. It's uh. just, yeah, it's okay. Is it like on par with like the bad yeah. adding stuff in Star Wars? Oh yeah. Right. Uh. Right up there with what they did, like that cartoon uh, J- Jabba yeah. the Hutt. Yeah. That, oh yuck. yeah. Yeah. It looked just like that. Yep. Okay. So, okay. So that's the bad thing. I'm about glad it. I've got my 96 videotape. Yeah. Uh, apparently the DVD release of it from 2002 has both. Uh, it, okay. They, they did so at least keep the original. Yeah. Getting. Okay. But the good thing about the 2002 re-release is that they showed, well, they showed it on this big theater screen. Yeah. But they had John Williams do the whole. Like with they a, had like a real orchestra. They had a there? real orchestra. Oh, that's pretty cool. And he totally sync like they totally synchronized it. Yeah. Also, they re-recorded all the orchestral stuff well, for the. No, no, mo- I, I don't know that the rec- Well, actually, I don't know that. Huh. But what I do know is that the people there that night they did a performance that way. They got to listen That's to neat. the whole score. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, with the real orchestra and watch the terrible cartoon graphics. Hopefully, it made up for it. Oh, and the the really con. To me, the most offensive thing about it is some of the replacing of ET's face with the cartoon one. Yeah. But the thing that really got people up in arms, did you hear about what they did? Yeah, they took away the guns. Yes, at that one of those final moments yeah. where there's the blockade and yep. the police or whatever with guns. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They put walkie-talkies in their hands. <laughs> although, <laughs> although, why did they have guns if they weren't going to shoot them? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm They're glad they didn't. Shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, my last few little things. Yep. Uh E.T. was mostly a puppet. Yes. That sometimes they had to like nail to the floor. Oh, really? Because at some points they had 12 guys operating him. Wow. Yeah. Just 
a lot like a lot of guys just like jabba yeah i think jabba was only three no it was more than three there's a guy in the tail two guys for the arms and maybe one for the head the head the eyes and the head they get their own group Mm. Yep, 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 okay we'll just have to agree to disagree on this okay we'll look that one up okay readers tell us who's right or wrong definitely not just three for jabba i think that they it was four or less Hmm. so you're talking the complete operation of him there's no more than four guys in jabba i'm not talking about in him because there certainly were a dozen guys in E.T. <laughs> I'm talking about all the guys doing remote control. <laughs> Did you think I was saying there was a dozen people inside of E.T.? Well, I'm picturing like a dozen arms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm not picturing a dozen people inside, wholly inside E.T., but, but I'm reaching like up. arms and stuff. What do you mean then? Okay, well, yeah, what I mean oh, is... Oh, like remote control eyes and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, with various... Wow, uh, that's a lot. Yeah, various pneumatic, like both electronic controls yep. and like pneumatic yep. controls. Yep. Yeah, and each of them have like, you know, two or three buttons and levers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, okay, yeah. Anyway, sure. I, I saw they they yeah. did a basically there was a, a group of guys, a big group of guys, yeah. all operating him. Okay, okay. Some, sometimes ET was that guy was a puppet nailed to the floor with a dozen people operating him. <laughs> a dozen guys inside, inside him. <laughs> okay, but other times there was a live action. They did put a person inside ET. Yeah, like when he's running across. Like you see him from behind running across the room or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So especially when he's drunk in yeah. the kitchen, yeah. Uh, that. But how do you find a person that fits inside ET? Well, you just get a very small person, no. and you put the neck on his head. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't good enough. They had to find a boy. Yeah. Who is already short, like a boy. And they made an extra big set. Nope. He had no legs. Oh, okay. The boy with no legs. Yeah. Who walks on his hands. Okay. Because like, what else do you do when you're a boy with no legs? Shift so, your weight back and forth? Maybe. But he's, you know, like, he's yeah. good at walking on his hands. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they got him in the suit. Okay. And he did uh, particularly that drunk scene yeah. uh, where he walks into the wall and falls yeah. over backwards yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that was this boy. I, I, sorry, I couldn't find his name. You know what would be cool? Like, yeah. That, that's cool. But another cool way is if they, like, built, like, Lord of the Rings-sized sets and just had a regular guy in a giant E.T. costume. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> of course, how would you make the humans he's interacting with? There was no but humans. Yeah, okay, at some points there weren't. Well, there was a dog. You would do it just like they did Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> Forced perspective. Yeah. Uh, oh, and one one louse. One, one louse. One louse. <laughs> uh Elliot faked being sick earlier in the film so he could stay home yeah. with E.T. And the way he did that was holding his thermometer up against this, uh, this lamp. lamp. Yep. And uh, yeah, and apparently Spielberg did that himself when he was a kid. Oh, yeah. This is 
him putting a little bit of himself into into Elliot. Yeah. Um, but it also reminds me of uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Faking being sick. Yeah. So. Okay. I guess that's enough. Uh, Do you remember any E.T. toys that you had? I remember one E.T. toy that I think you had. Did you not have like a little leather or pleather E.T. stuffed toy? Maybe about this big? It's the size of a loaf of bread for our listeners who can't see. Did you have that or did did my friend John have that? I don't remember having an et toy the one thing i remember yep is my et trading cards yes uh, yeah i forgot about the et trading cards i don't yeah. know how i forgot about those yeah. yeah and that was the only set that i ever managed to complete it was a very small set compared to most like maybe 100 Eight, 87 cards and uh yeah i got them all um yeah, of course and, it's eighty-seven cards. Yeah, eighty-seven yes. cards and yes. very strange. I, I with with my our kind of band, our nerd rock band, Bedford Level Experiment. That I drum live. Darren plays the drums I have for me. Drummed live when we play live. Yes. Uh, yeah, I wrote a, a song called Eighty-Seven Cards about the ET trading cards. About ET trading cards and getting the whole set. Just as good as Neil Diamond's "Turn On Your Heartlight." It is really close. Does the cover, your cover, uh, sorry, your yeah. co- your VHS copy of E.T. It's got the hands. It's yeah. got the Michelangelo And it doesn't have the moon thing. on it. It doesn't have the bike in front of the moon? No. Okay. What's funny is that if you look up uh, E.T. on like a Google image search, yes. you almost certainly get the bike with E.T. Flying across the flying moon. Across the yep. moon with Elliot's cape billowing out behind him. His Halloween cape. Okay. Okay. When you watch the original movie, his cape is not billowing out at all. It looks more or less like he's sitting on his cape, if anything. I'm trying to think of... Elliot didn't even really have a good Halloween costume. He was basically wearing a hoodie, wasn't he? And like some makeup to look like a zombie or something. Yeah, I think he had a cape, but I don't know if it was kind of like a Dracula-esque... Okay. uh, It was a pretty lame... Yeah, costume. it wasn't a particularly... So if, if, Darren, you go on Google Image Search... Yes, E.T. Moon. Oh, yeah, he's got a big cape there. Yeah. Now, look, I took a screenshot of the actual movie. Yeah, and there's that, no cape. No. Yeah. So that's an interesting uh, bit of trivia or something. I don't know. The, the very... The super iconic scene yeah. in the movie is not... And how does E.T. fit in that milk crate on the front of the bike? He's bigger than that. Uh, he's just kind of got that tiny little torso, though, that I guess he That's just fits not a his... tiny little torso. He's got a big butt and feet. That's just a stuffed well, but, animal. But see how... I don't know. He just fits in a I milk. don't think that this is anatomically correct. <laughs> <laughs> That is a funny phrase to use. Is he anatomically correct? <laughs> I don't want to think about that, actually. That's not what I was thinking about. Okay. I just meant that his bottom, I think his bottom is bigger in real life. You think his bottom and isn't anatomically correct? It wouldn't fit into a <laughs> milk crate. Yeah. I remember drawing E.T. a lot, too, when I was a kid. Yeah? Yep. 
drawing E.T., trying to draw his face and his head yeah. and stuff like that. And just not, like, from the movie, not really getting a proper sense of exactly how he all works. Everyone loved the extending neck. And yeah. he doesn't, in the movie, he doesn't really extend his neck as much as, like, it's not, he's not, like, accordion neck all the time, yeah. I think. But, like, that's, like, one of the things where I think about, my remembering E.T. It's like, oh, yeah, his neck is always going up and down and stuff like that. <laughs> always going up. Well, in the Atari 2600 game, every time he used his superpowers, yes. he extended his neck. So, so that might be why. E.T.'s superpowers in the movie is he has the power of telekinesis. He can move things with yeah, his mind. He can move That's things what he with does. his mind. Yeah. Yep. Like, substan- he can lift a five bicycles oh, with yeah, people of on kids. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he, so that's hundreds of pounds. And he's got like the kind of like the tele telepathy type thing going on, except not quite like speaking, but feeling this things. emotional the empath. He's an empath. Yeah. He's like a beta Z. Yeah. A beta Zoid. And he can connect with other people. Well, he yeah. connects with Elliot. Yeah. And possibly other members of the family by the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, they never really explain that. It's it kind of seems like magic. They don't really explain, like, in some ways the movie is really science heavy, like, with all the all the doctors and the people trying to figure E.T. out, and then there's the magical side of E.T. too with his, yeah, or, with his special powers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, or we can call it emotional or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's right, and presumably that's how everybody in, everybody of his species has those abilities, yeah, yeah. and, you know, he's nothing special among his people. So, if he can cause all these kids and their bikes to go flying through the sky, why didn't he just float on over to the ship at the very beginning of the movie? I'm I'm not trying to ruin everything, but I just thought of this now. Why didn't he just float over to the ship and go at yeah, the beginning I, of the movie? Yeah. Because uh, then we wouldn't have a good story. Then there wouldn't be a good story. Okay. He got, I think, presumably he was far enough away and it just seemed too dangerous. He didn't want to reveal himself. Yeah. Yeah, you'd kind of think that he could have gotten out of it, but... Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad we had the story instead. That's right. This is a more interesting story. It is. <laughs> so, I could probably go on more, but I won't. That was already pretty long. Sorry, guys. That's okay. Some people... But- this this was much more in-depth than I was expecting. Yeah, well, Donkey Kong was not as in-depth as I was expecting, but probably not every subject has to go this deep. Basically, I, I watched E.T. again, I took a lot of notes, yeah. and then I just... Uh, you, you approached E.T. the way we approach a Midnight Oil album in that other podcast we do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I did. I don't know that I'll always do that, but... You know what? This is our first episode. We're kind of working out how this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, do you like deep dives or do you want just something light and fluffy? See, I wasn't trying to come for like, (laughs) I feel like you're trying to position yourself as the deep dive intellectual and me as the fluff guy. And where I was trying to come to the whole thing was uh, how did you experience it? Do what, what are your memories of, of this? And, and, what did we do with it as kids and, and how did we interact with it and what did it inspire us to do and stuff like that? So yeah. I was coming more from those, those kind of angles no, that, as we that approach is, these things. That is valid. And um, I still think like, I guess most of what I said tonight was actually 
are my actual thoughts. Oh, I, yeah. I guess overall. Yeah, I'm it, not saying they're not. It's something that's been around for 36 years. Yeah. You know, and uh, there's a lot to it. It connects yeah. a lot with, with other things in my life. Oh, and, yeah, totally. Yeah. And as we were saying, even at the beginning, you know, this isn't just about what it was, but the stuff that we still enjoy now. Yeah. Yeah. So totally valid. Yeah. Yep. So, but if you listeners want to think if there should have been less CT and more Donkey Kong, uh, for example, you can tell us that. That's right. We would love to hear from you. Go to the website at thecouch.website and you can leave a comment or you can find out how to send us an email. You can find us on the Twitters. Yes. What Twitter account are you using these days? Uh, if you search for Bedford Level Experiment, you'll probably find me. It's a look for a picture of a kid with a Commodore 64 or a Commodore pet and as the uh, profile picture. There you go. And you'll find me. I'm on the Twitter at Darren the Folds, F-O-U-L-D-S. Any ideas yeah. about what you want to talk about next time? Oh, I got so many things I could talk about, Darren. So should we limit ourselves to like, I think it'd be really easy for us to talk a lot about video games. Yeah. Should we try to keep to one of a certain genre of type of things? Like if, if you pick a video game, then I can't pick a video game or like we won't do two movies yeah. or we won't do two. I, I agree with thing that thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, because I talked about movie this time, I want to talk about Atari 2600. Okay. Next time. Just in general, the Atari 2600? And a few favorite games. And, okay. Or, or, or do, you you... Want to, do you want to focus on a game? Wow. Maybe that's that would be smart because I could probably talk forever, eh? I think so. Okay. I want to talk a little about the Atari 2600 in general. Yep. And I will only talk about Cosmic Arc. Cosmic Arc my is a favorite, good choice. My favorite Atari 2600 You game. never owned Cosmic Arc in the 80s. No, I didn't own an Atari in the 80s even oh, at all. Well, there you go. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about you hanging out at my house playing Cosmic Arc. <laughs> <laughs> and I will choose something too. Can I choose a genre of book? Can I be so broad as to say choose your own adventure Oh, books? please, please do. Okay. I will pick Choose Your Own Adventure Books. So if you have any thoughts on Choose Your Own Adventure Books or Cosmic Arc on the 2600, you can get in touch with us and send us your comments ahead of time, and maybe we can include them in the podcast. I'm supposed to wrap it up. Well, Darren, thanks for inviting me over to your house and letting me sit on your couch and talk to you about E.T. and Donkey Kong. Mm -hmm. I hope we all had a good time. We all did. (laughs) That was really stupid. Me, you, and (laughs) E.T. Yep, yep. Thanks for joining us tonight, E.T. <laughs> I'll be right here. <laughs> I don't think. So please do let us know what you think about the show. If there's certain things you'd like us to to talk about, we might. Yeah. We might listen and might do something about yeah, send it. Send us your suggestions. Thank you very much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time. 80s music! Do 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 do!